Bolt from the Blue, and instead of the dulcet tones of Mr. Michael Long coming to us from Seoul in South Korea, you've got me, Colin Savage, because um, Michael seemingly hasn't turned up for this pod. So anyway, he wanted guest hosts like uh, us to take the hosting duties over. So we've given, granted him his wish in his absence. So I'm going to host the uh, pod tonight, and to support me, as ever, I've got, in no particular order, Bernard Dineen. Welcome, Hello, Bernard. Hello, mate. How are you doing? I think you're going to do the grand job so far, mate. I think I think Mike can just uh, forget it now. I think it's just uh, it's your show now. It's Bolt from the uh, Bolt from Presswich, I think it's called now. Let's <laughs> not get carried away, Bernard. We're not got to the end of it. Um, and also, we of course, we've got Ray. Ray, good evening. Yeah, it's, it's good. It's, it's great to be with you guys. And, and for once, for once, there's no hair, not a single hair on or anybody's head on <laughs> <laughs> Usually, Mike's got enough hair for the three of us, but yeah, Paul Bonser's winter. Perhaps we should rename this wig from the blue. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's been a, a, an eventful uh, week for City, so let's get straight into our game at the weekend away at Watford. Um, leading up to this, of course, uh, Chelsea and Liverpool have both dropped points. Uh, sorry, Chelsea have dropped points, um, which meant that we had to win to go top so um let's start with you Bernard what did you think of the lineup yeah I mean it was what so I'm just going to go through it here Edison Walker Diaz Laporte Cancelo Rodri Gundogan Bernardo Sterling Foden and Grealish yeah I mean it's pretty much uh, I think it's pretty much what I expected uh Let's face it, what Watford have sort of just coming out of a game with Chelsea where they were quite unlucky to lose, weren't they? So uh, we had to be certainly at full strength for this one. And that's uh, obviously it was interesting to see Diaz and Laporte again, wasn't it, in the, in the back the back pair. And I think that's uh, Pep's go-to, even though I like Stones in there. So that was interesting. But yeah, certainly a good enough team to uh, beat Watford away, that's for sure. I think my only surprise was, um, well, both Grealish and Foden in the starting lineup, although we expect to see them there, but... Um, neither have played very much, of course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's obviously. Uh, I think the old uh, Niggles, obviously Jesus, Jesus was on the subs bench, wasn't he? I think uh, Jesus yeah. and uh, KDB and Mares. They're another two yeah. guys who were on the subs bench. But yeah, I, th- I think Pep's trying to give him give him the minutes, isn't he? I think, and Watford away was probably a, go- a good chance to do that. Yeah. Now, now of course, um, Ray, we've got a great record against Watford in, in recent years. I think what. 17 games or something and 53 goals before yeah. today, something like that. Um, so, so we weren't expecting, well, we're City fans, so we always expect a, a tough game, whoever we play. 
But of course, you know, given the history of Watford, and and there's one funny story I can tell you is that um, when we beat them five nil um, at the end of uh, a few seasons ago, right at the end of the season, uh, the next time we played them, I, remember, I was actually went down to the game, and I remember a Watford fan tweeting, "Well, you know, they, they put five past us last season. It can't be worse this season." <laughs> We put six past them this season. We put eight past them. We put six past them at Wembley. Uh, you know, what sort? Of, uh, realistically, what what sort of game are you expecting, Ray? I mean, well, considering they've been letting a lot of goals in, um, I was expecting an, a, a, a decent game. Actually, I'd looked at the previous, I think, five results, and they'd scored nine goals and they'd let in eleven. Before that, they'd be, they'd lost at home, I think, five 0 to Liverpool, but. I thought Watford would give us a decent game. They wouldn't just sit back. Um, and when they got a chance, they'd, you know, they'd put the pressure on. Dennis has been playing well this season. A uh, couple of players have uh, Kucho and, uh, and King as well. So uh, they, they've got an, a, a quite interesting uh, from um, attacking lineup. And I, I thought, I thought they, they might score, but I, I expected us to score a few. I didn't think. Uh, that we'd give up the opportunity to go top of the table. You know, um, you know. Sometimes you feel that sometimes the players can one or two could just get a bit, little bit complacent, thinking, "Oh, yeah, we're going to go to the top and all that." Um, but I think generally it was a decent performance, and uh, yeah, I was I was expecting um, a win, and uh, obviously we we got that. What impact do you think Claudio Ranieri has had? Is it too soon for him to have a? Um... He's been in charge for seven games, hasn't he? So his, yeah. his impact is he's he's. Well, he's had a fantastic impact, Colin, because they beat Man United 4-1. So, oh, oh, yes, oh, yes, yes. Oh, um, yeah, but they come up against a decent team. You know, oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Look, they, look, they've lost to Chelsea. They've lost to Liverpool. They've lost to us. I think they did the draw with Leicester. They've only got four or five points in those games. But, um, you know, they, they're, they're, they've got a fighting chance of uh, staying up. You know, there's plenty of teams there. Three teams on 10, one on, if I remember correctly, 13 and about two on 15 and one on 16. So they're not out of it. Uh, I think Ranieri, he's, they're scoring goals. They're scoring goals. You know, they scored against Chelsea. They scored against us. Um, they've got plenty against United. Uh, get that one in again. So one worry when you're at the bottom is you're not scoring enough goals. And Watford seems to have that sorted out. The other worry when you're at the bottom is you're letting in too many goals. And that is Watford's problem. It's just leaking too many goals. And um, he has to find a way to to, to stem the floor. Now, you could argue cities is, is the wrong example to use. You want to be looking at the teams around you, you know, Burnley, Newcastle and and Everton and, and others um, to, 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 to where you're going to get your points and keep your clean sheets. But I, I just think he's going to be exciting. I think um, they'll stay in um, the, the race to avoid relegation for most of the season with Ranieri. Um, and they might even sneak out of it. Yeah. So um, first few minutes, I thought we um, we set off like we mean we meant business, Bernard. What did you? Yeah. What? I mean, we had. I think the first fifteen minutes, I think we had six attempts at goal, five on target. So we're making Batman work, and obviously we didn't have to wait long for the first goal, did we? we were uh, was it four minutes? And obviously, Mister Sterling could pick his spot, couldn't he? I mean, Mister Sterling was back. Uh, we'll talk about him in a, in a little bit more. But obviously, that first 15, 20 minutes, it was a bit like the old Sterling, a bit like the old City in attack. We uh, say we had some good chances. We could have been two or three up in, in 15 minutes, but it was a great little goal, great little build-up to it as well. 
uh, a great cross by Foden. And Sterling just had time to look up, uh, pick his spot and nodded it down nicely. And that set us up, really. It's, uh, you know, we thought, you know, this could be another 6-0, if you, if you like. But uh, it didn't turn out like that, obviously. Yeah. It, it was interesting talking about the first goal. I don't know if, if either of you two noticed it, but just before the, the actual goal itself, um, I think Cancelo had played a ball out to Sterling, who was hugging the right touchline. And he'd felt it, well, he, he controlled it, but then pushed it too far ahead of himself. Did you notice that? And and uh, I think it was Ashley Young. It, I think it took him by surprise because it kind of bounced off Ashley Young's foot. Uh, and Ashley Young um, saved it, just about saved it from going out. And actually, Sterling appealed for a throw in. But Young cleared it to a City player, and that's when the move started. So it was kind of. It, it, almost in one move, he saw the worst of Sterling and the best of him. Because, I mean, once he realised we weren't getting the throw in and the ball was going back, his movement into the box, was, his run into the box was superb. And yeah. he picked his spot, as you said. Did he pick it? Did he, I don't know. Did he pick his spot or did he just get it on target? And it just needed that touch, really. Because I think, the I think he had that much, much, much time. I think he deliberately. You could see him looking around, seeing where he was going to put it. To be honest with you, okay, give him credit. It's not always a good omen when we see Sterling looking around, thinking, is it? But <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> yeah, could have gone over. <laughs> In the game, it reminded me. I mean, you guys will remember this. The, it was about two or three, three seasons ago. Uh, we beat Watford eight 0 at home a couple yeah. of seasons back, and um, we were. It's one of those funny things that you remember. We were five nil up after 17 minutes, and every mm. shot seemed to uh, be a goal. And, and that's when Bernardo scored his only hat trick for City. I actually thought we could have done something similar, but as usual, we're just not clinical uh, uh, as clinical as we should be. Um, and I think that that's for for years. I've said that even when we gone out and scored that that season, that Centurion season, 106 goals. I said we could have got more. You know, and even now you look at it and you say. You know, God forbid that it, the season's decided on goal difference. You know, let's just win it comfortably. I hope, um, but you know, it it could come back to bite us. You know, you hope it doesn't. But you know, you we just need to make sure we are more clinical. And in those tight games, when you need that, you know, that um, and it's going to be a one niller. You, you need to be clinical. You need to be putting them away. And you know, we we, we saw we were. Um, I think we were very wasteful, uh, and that's probably the the, the big. I won't say disappointment from the game, but that's one of the negatives that um, I took away from this game. Yeah, because um, it took us till uh, just after the half hour mark to, to score a second. And uh, in the meantime, and I've got to get this in. I'm sorry, but um, I know you're going to do it. <laughs> you know what you're going to do. Uh, obviously, the Watford keeper kept them in with a string of really good saves, and at one point, Sterling shot, and uh, Backman turned a drive over. <laughs> oh, I knew that was coming. We've already had Edison, Ackley, and Palmer earlier in the season, and now we've got the Backman Turner overdrive. You know, well, you ain't well, seen nothing yet, Colin. Don't come back, Michael. It's forgiven. <laughs> <laughs> Colin taking care of business. But I mean, uh, we could I'm, easily, I'm not any more yeah, yeah. Uh, their, uh, albums or songs. That's enough. Right. I mean, we could easily have been three, four up, couldn't we, in, in the first 15 minutes? I mean, like, yeah, I mean, Grealish was a big culprit, wasn't he? I think he yeah. had two efforts. He just, plat- yeah, he headed one straight at the keeper and he shot one straight at the keeper. You know, he should he should have done far better. He should have made the goalie work on those. I've got in my notes that he should have got a hat-trick. I think he, sh- he, yeah. he should have got a hat-trick in that game. And, and we're talking about Grealish. I mean, he was kind of playing that false nine role, which is he, he, he's, 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 uh, new to him. And right now he can't play it, but he'll, you know, it'll take time. But actually, when he actually did come deep, 
Um, that was the second goal uh, when he when he came deep. He he was uh, he knocked the ball on. He was fouled, and then we ended up scoring. But him coming deep, dragging the defence with him, leaving us load of space for other players to, uh, to to move and work into. So you know he's got an opportunity. You know Pep's given him this opportunity, and he's given it lots of players. Um, it, you know before he got injured, looked like Ferran Torres could be that that false nine. Um, but he's given Grealish a chance. He's got a lot of chances to score, and he's just not taking them. And you know, watching him play, and and again uh, the, the other night, my my concern, slight concern is, you know, is he's not settled yet. Um, and is Pep going to feel obliged to play him simply because he's his big summer signings cost cost a lot of money? I know that's nobody's. It's not Grealish's fault, but that that that's the thing that slightly worries concerns me that Grealish is going to be playing too many games for what he's actually delivering, uh, missing all those chances. You know, maybe maybe he just needs to get that uh, get a couple of goals and it'll all settle down and he'll be um, on his way with City. I mean, it didn't come to us as a natural finisher, did he, Bernard? Uh, no, but, no. Uh, he's going to get far more chances playing in that false nine or in that front three with us than he did against Villa. I mean, can you turn a player, uh, a decent player, like very decent player like Grealish, into a finisher? I think, I mean, look, look at Bernardo. I mean, well, Bernardo, just for me, he's the most natural finisher we've got at the moment. I mean, you wouldn't have said that uh, a couple of years ago. He's a great player. He always has been a great player. But uh, I think I think Grealish is simple, isn't it? I mean, you just perhaps he's thinking too much about it. I mean, perhaps those three chances that he should have had, he should have had a hat. He, he's doing the old Sterling. He's thinking too much about it because I think, I think, I think. Obviously, we'll talk about the uh, the other disappointing game where he also played a false nine, and it, it was a, probably one of the worst false nine performances I've seen just last night. But uh, you know, that's why Pep wants him to play. I think uh, there's certainly no striker coming in January, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, I think Pep wants Grealish to play up that middle, so he's going to have to he's going to have to quickly learn how to put the ball in the net. Well, I don't think there's anywhere else. Where else can he play? Because Foden, for me, is your number one uh, on the out on the left. Sterling, um, right now, is your number one on the right. You know, you can argue with Maris. Where else does Grealish play? He's not going to push uh, Gundogan, KDB, or um, Bernardo out the side. So where else can can he play? But up front. And of course, the question has always been: if we do buy a, an out and out striker, someone has to make way. Who makes way for mm. that? You know, if 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 we bought Kane, if we bought uh, Vlahovic, whoever we buy, even if we play Liam Delap, someone's got to be dropped. Someone's got to make way for that striker. Who is it? Because um, uh, you know, at, at the moment, you look at that, you look at that team, and um, you'd say KDB is not an automatic first choice. And you know that that's that would have been heretical, sacrilege, twelve eighteen months ago, wouldn't it? Yeah, you, you'd have been laughed off Blue Moon, which takes some doing. <laughs> So yeah, so yeah, so it was a bit of a wasteful first half hour, but then finally Bernardo uh, saved us, didn't he, Bernard? Yeah, I mean it was obviously. I think Ray just said there, Grealish should actually was after a foul, wasn't he? Got blocked off, and it sort of turned up that uh, a Gundogan effort, I think, was uh, was saved from an angle. Was it blocked or saved? I think, and uh, I think the goalie was a bit at fault. Bernardo just had a, had a big, massive space to to it. The the deflection into, didn't you? I think the goalie was sort of way off his post, a little bit of misjudgment. But uh, old sniffer Bernardo, I mean, old Alan Clark, I mean, he's got nothing on our Bernardo, has he? that six-yard box is absolutely super, superbly taken goal and we all breathed a little bit easier at 
He had a bit of work to do, though, didn't he, Ray, before he... Yeah, yeah. So it's just, yeah. just, just, just the quality, just casual, and he just casually placed it in because the, the goalie left him a big gap to stick it in. I think it's a couple of things. The goalie left him a big gap, um, and the goalie was probably expecting a cross. He wasn't expecting Bernardo to shoot from there. Um, and, yeah, you know, and probably he caught him out. So, you know, um, as I said, leaving that gap, catching the goalkeeper out. And by the time Bernardo hit it, goalie was already going the wrong way. Uh, it, was, it, was a, it was a good goal, you know, uh, at the end of the day. Uh, and I think we deserved it. You know, our play, our opportunities, our chances, our domination uh, deserved the 2-0 um, half-time scoreline. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, you know, I was saying that we, we could easily have gone in four or five up, couldn't yeah. we? Yeah. Um, yeah. We, we yeah, I think we had, I think it was eight, 81% possession we had in that first half, which is pretty, pretty, pretty good even for City, 81%. And if you if you think on about three minutes after that, Foden, I don't know what, Foden turned on a ball and I, I expected it to nestle into the top corner. I think he hit the corner flag with it. I don't know what <laughs> Foden was doing. That was very two or three minutes afterwards where it would have been 3-0. But uh, yeah, Foden, Foden was a culprit there. He's a wonderful turn and then he just he just hit the corner flag with his shot. I don't know. I don't know what happened there yeah but you know if you, if you look at the figures you know our goal difference at the moment is um what it's about uh it's 23 compared to 32 and chelsea's 26 uh, and you think that if we if we scored you know we played 15 games if we got an extra goal a game we're out of sight on goal difference aren't we yeah, mm, yeah. liverpool's 32 i mean i, I know it's a bit fanciful but we could easily score a goal a game more. Absolutely. It's going back to what I said about not being clinical. We had so many chances. We're having, um, you know, I, I'm not, part of me is not bothered about smashing teams. I mean, you know, Liverpool are, are really, the fans are really content that they're going around smashing teams four and five on a regular basis. Uh, for me, I'm reasonably satisfied if we win two or three. Uh, but if we keep a clean sheet on a regular basis, it's it, it's interesting actually. I think since Edison got to ninety nine clean sheets, <laughs> can't keep clean sheets. I think he's let yeah. a goal in in the last four games. He just can't get into that uh, uh, that century of clean sheets. It's it's a weird one. You just know he's never going to get to that hundred. <laughs> <laughs> Stefan Stefan might get to hundred before uh, Edison does. <laughs> you just know you know Norwich are going to come and, and 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 put a goal past us. And, um, yeah. Anyway, so so yeah, so we go in two 0 up, and and I guess despite the fact there's a little bit of disappointment that it's only two. Do you feel the game's over at that point? Yeah, I mean, obviously, obviously we're two 0 up against Villa, then we let them back in straight away, didn't it? But obviously, you've got to think, oh come on, guys, we're going to get the third goal this time. We're not going to let let them back in it. And obviously, uh, so yeah, I, I was quietly confident, but uh, you never know, do you? Yeah, uh, and of course we did get the third goal. It took us another uh, what, uh, what eight, eighteen minutes after the yeah, after the yeah. start. But uh, Ray, it was a beauty, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, look, you know, if 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 you didn't, if you couldn't tell, you'd think that was David Silver. That's what I'm trying to eventually get to say because Banana Silver is playing at that level, um, and um, you know, you never thought think that you could get a player. Half as good as David Silva, but he's got a, a beautiful left foot. He can dink uh, here and there. He holds that ball like David Silva used to hold that ball. Uh, you know, um, running in circles, dribbling past players, and um, gliding across the pitch. And uh, this was another occasion. He got the ball out on the right, um, 
you know, took a step inside the defender. I don't know why the defender let him go. You know, Bernardo Silva's a left footer. Um, mm. Not as telegraphed as Mares, but he's a left footer. There's no way he should let him cut inside. And he just curled it into the corner. And the goalkeeper had absolutely no chance. There's no point bothering to dive. And it was just a, a cracking finish. I think, is that his seventh or eighth league goal of the season? I think it's um, seven for that. Seven. That's best, best ever total. Yeah, that's his best ever record. And we're not even halfway through the season. So he's, he's having an amazing season. Uh, it, was a, it was a really good finish. And, um, yeah, you know, I'm sure people have thought about that. The comparison was, who, you know, with Salah as to who's the best player in the league so far this season. I mean, they, 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 they do different things. but And Salah's numbers are... Really, really good. He's got tons, tons of goals. I think Salah's got a goal or an assist in every game, bar the one against Burnley. Um, but Bernardo's numbers are really, really good, and it's it's great to see that he's adding more and more goals to his game. He's not just getting there in the right position at the right time. He's getting there so often, and he's sticking the ball away. So you know, uh, like Gundogan last season was scoring almost every week. Long may it continue. Absolutely. So, um, you know, 3-0, the game was definitely done, wasn't it? But um, th- there was still a, kind of a bit of a sting in the tail, wasn't it, Bernard? Yeah, I mean, it was an odd one. Wasn't it? I, I, I didn't think, I didn't get the impression Watford were pressing that much. But obviously, before we, we knew it, I didn't I don't know what happened in the build-up. Uh, I think, was it, did Laporte make an error of some sort? I, I can't remember now. But, I mean, it was from nothing. And it was one of those goals that, you know, it hits the post and it just rebounds back to the guy. I mean, so... You know, the, the chances of that are quite small anyway because of the angle he was at. And he, he sort of, I can't remember the guy's name who scored Good the goal. Job. but uh, Good job. Yeah, I mean, it, it just went nicely back to him. And, and Edison did get his hands on it, but obviously it was too close for to him to actually react and push it round the post. It ended up in the in the side netting there. But, uh, yeah, it was from nothing. He, you know, obviously a little bit of panic setting for me. You know, God, there's, there's 16 minutes left, guys. You know, but... Uh, uh, that was it, really, from Watford. I don't think they, they certainly did that much after that. And it's, that came itself from nothing but a typical city. You know, we'd lost a clean sheet again, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I'd rather the three points, but the clean sheet. But um, I'd seen some criticism of Edison, who wasn't, uh, some people saying he wasn't quick enough to react to the, the rebound. Now, if you think back to that famous game at White Hart Lane, the, the, the FA Cup game, 4-3, I always remember um, the the Icelandic goalkeeper Arne Arison. We had he saved that free kick and then got had to get down to stop another shot which came from the rebound. I always remember the commentator saying that's why goalkeepers train that way, you know, to get down and then get up again to react. It, it, either of you guys would either of you guys criticise Edison in any way for that? Um, I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't because I think m- almost Every single player in that similar situation would have a similar reaction. You know, the shot's gone past you. You're ex- you, okay. There'll, there'll be one or two people, and I actually think about rugby union uh, and even rugby league when someone's out taking a penalty. You have a guy who turns his back and he's watching the uh, the post. So in case it hits the post and it, it comes back, and your defender has to go and um, defensive player has to go and collect it. But most of the time when in a situation like that in, in football, when someone hits the ball past you, it's either going in or it's going out. So, you know, there's nothing, you can't have any impact. And I don't think many people are wired to say, oh, it could hit the post. In that split second, they don't think it could hit the post and come back. And so he's just rooted to the spot. 
And by the time it comes back, the second shot's coming in and he's not in a posi- any position to really have a, a positive impact. So I, I don't blame him from the point of view that nearly everybody else would have done the same thing. Yeah, there was one one moment of controversy in the game, um, which was, um, well, a, a tackle, I'd hardly call it a tackle, by mm-hmm. a kick uh, by Craig Cathcart on, on Gabriel Jesus, which injured him. Um, yellow or red? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, I would have thought, I'd be based on what we saw last night right, from Mr. Yeah. Ward. It was deliberate. It wasn't, it obviously, he deliberately went to trip him, but he tripped him at speed. So a lot of damage can be done at speed. And, uh, you know, to be honest with you, I think that's a red. To be honest was with it you. reckless or dangerous? I thought it was dangerous to the player because he would going at speed, he's, you know, he clips his leg. He's going to, you know, he could do some damage. Yeah. I mean, was it, but uh, yeah, I mean, so we'll talk about Carl Walker in the, in the light. <laughs> But you know, the, the, the potentially some parallels between the two incidents, and the referee had in the Leipzig game, of course, we'll, we'll talk about that. Had, had no hesitation in pulling out the red card. So um, yeah, but uh, so we'll we'll lose. Um, uh, so uh, well, that three points in the bag yeah. uh, from Watford. It was a good way to end the um, the Saturday. We went yeah. top of the league for the first the time. Was, oh, Colin, you've taken away my my. I had three things lined up for Mike. I was going to say, well, I, I might as well give the stale joke now. What has Raheem Sterling um, got in common with my TV remote control? Go on. They're both on top of the table. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and since Mike's not here, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the, the, the one. He wants his joke back, right? <laughs> uh, I'll give you the, um, the, the quiz question then. Um, because Raheem Sterling's on, I think, 99 Premier League goals so far. So which five City players, or players who have played for City, because it's only one who scored 100 goals for City in the Premier League, which five play, City players have scored 100 Premier League goals? And I'll start you off with the with the most difficult one, is Sergio Aguero. <laughs> so you've got four to pick, four to get. Jekyll. Collins' turn. That's not right. Yeah. Um, the, the clue was, um, uh, Bernard, that they played for City and scored 100 goals, but not all at City. Aguero's the only player who scored. All oh, right, OK, OK. Well, uh, anyway, you'll get another chance. Go on, Frank Lampard. Good. Frank Lampard is one. Now, Quid? No. Premier League. Premier League. I'm really surprised you haven't got these. Oh, an Elka. An Elka. Two more. Didn't the Goat score? No. No. Wasn't no, the players who scored, most of their goals were not scored for City. Fowler. Robbie Fowler. Oh, of course. We got them all then. No, there's one to go, one to get. Wow. Midfielder. No, striker. Striker. Won, won lots of Premier League titles, I think. Who? McManaman. No, 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 no. McManaman didn't win any Premier League titles. He, he, you got to remember, Colin, McManaman played for Liverpool. They've only won one Premier League title. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Andy Cole. Andy Cole. Oh, of course, yeah. Andy Cole. <laughs> did well there. I don't usually get them. You <laughs> <He> didn't. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. But I was going to say one, one last thing. It's just a point that I, I'd noted that, obviously, Chelsea lost to West Ham. And so far this season, uh, give West Ham a bit of, uh, 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 you know, big them up a bit. West Ham are beating Chelsea, Liverpool, City, on penalties in the League Cup, United, Spurs and Leicester City. So, despite what people say, David Moyes is a football genius. Yeah, we were right. We, you yeah. know, all the time. knew it, didn't we? 
Even if United days. United should have stuck with him. They should have stuck with him. Done a great job there. Done a great yeah. job there. Um, a couple of a uh, couple of other kind of bits of news over the weekend before we move on to Leipzig. Um, one piece of good news was um, the Pittsburgh Steelers beat the Baltimore Ravens. Now, if you're not into NFL, the Steelers and the Ravens is one of the is probably the biggest rivalry in the NFL, and um, the the two fans of the two teams hate each other. I mean, I've been to Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh is a sports mad city. Uh, It makes Manchester look positively lukewarm about its sport. But um, uh, and of course, they've got the the Pittsburgh Steelers NFL team. They've got very quite successful ice hockey team. The Penguins are less than successful baseball team, the Pirates. And and they sell merchandise for all these in all the shops. You go down the main drag uh, Penn Street there and merchandise And, and almost like half the merchandise is um negative towards the Baltimore Ravens <laughs> so it's quite interesting it's a real big rivalry um and actually they're probably it's probably the closest I meant to check this probably the closest team to Pittsburgh I think even closer than Philadelphia so um Pittsburgh hadn't been playing very well um they were playing the Ravens who were top of the the AFC North and um it, it was an amazing game and somehow they they won because the the Ravens dropped a catch with the last move of the game so which would have given them the victory. So so that was quite good. Uh, and some sad news. Um, former city director and honorary president Ian Niven died over the weekend. Um, anything? Uh, I mean, I, I can talk about Ian Niven, but I can hand the hand the baton over to you if you want, Bernard and Ray. No, well, you you carry on, mate. I would say I, I don't really know too much about the gentleman, to be honest with you. Okay, well, I'll give a brief um, potted history of Ian Niven. He was a um, big city fan, born in Moss Side in the Stones Throw from, from uh, Main Road in those days. And um, he went on to an interesting story. He worked, uh, he actually worked pretty well on the site of the Etihad, the current Etihad, uh, big uh, metal work company, Johnson Smith and Nephew, the wire manufacturers in Bradford. Um, Bradford, Manchester, not Bradford, Yorkshire, of course. So pretty well on the site of the, of the Etihad. And um, he worked for them for about 20 years as a buyer. And then he, he lived in Denton, I think, and he fell out with the landlord of his local pub. And so as re- kind of revenge, he decided to buy the other local pub, the Fletcher's Arms. <laughs> and that became his livelihood. Uh, and he was a big city fan, of course. And um, uh, that rapidly became the city pub. So um, all the team, we're going back to the uh, late 60s, early 70s, Joe Mercer, Malcolm Allison, Mike Doyle, uh, also lived in that area, were all all frequented the pub. Ian Niven became well known to the city hierarchy uh, and was invited onto the board, which, which kind of, you, you might say, was kind of typical of the small businessman type makeup of the board in those days. But uh, Ian was a bit of a fanatic and, and, and a couple of Things he did which, which really stand out. Uh, he was instrumental in founding the Junior Blues. And now, if you talk to Gary James about this, Gary will say that the Junior Blues was a crucial weapon in us maintaining our support through the the dark years of the kind of the nineties. Um, obviously, until we got back into the Premier League, we got the takeover um, because it, it kept a core of city young city fans interested. Actively interested and involved in the club, so so that was a big. That's why we kept, you know, the the, the loyalty, the thirty thousand crowds in the old um, third division days. So 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 that was a um, a great piece of work. And the other thing which I didn't realise was he basically suggested that City ought to buy and 
buy their own training ground and set up an academy. And that was the first proper academy in the country, uh, apparently. So, um, you know, we owe him owe Ian Niven quite a lot, but he played a very, just having done the Francis Lee years podcast, of course, um, Ian Niven played a fairly crucial role in Peter Swales' downfall because uh, there, there was a group of directors around Swales and Niven was one, Chris Muir was another, uh, the late Freddie Pye was another, uh, who all loyally supported Swales. But um, when uh, Franny Lee announced his plans to try and um, oust Swales as chairman, take over himself, uh, Swales naturally put for fight. I mean, it, it wasn't like Peter Swales to go down without a, with a whimper. Uh, I, I, I think even he realised he'd, he'd stayed on too long. But one thing he didn't want to do was sell out to Franny Lee. Uh, so, so his last kind of trick, that the fans were against him, um, you know, that, that he knew it was time to step down. But as I say, it was just he didn't want to do it under that sort of pressure. Um, so, so his last kind of throw of the dice was to uh, stand down as chairman and try and attract someone from outside to come in and take the chair and relieve the pressure on him. But whether we still run things behind the scenes, uh, you know, I don't know. But uh, and he found a guy called Mike McDonald, who was a, a city a wealthy businessman, lived in Eccles, made his money in scrap metal and engineering. Uh, and Mike McDonald had agreed in principle to take over as chairman uh, and invest some money, of course. And um, so, so Swales thought this was a neat solution. And um, he gathered a director's meeting around his house one Sunday afternoon. Uh, and I think there were nine directors altogether. Two couldn't make it. So there were seven. Um, and uh, he expected to carry the meeting. The, the proposal was that they appoint Mike McDonald as chairman. Now, Ian Niven had been talking to Colin Barlow, who was obviously actively involved in Franny Lee's bit, and became convinced that the end was nigh for Swales and that it had to be Franny. So um, surprisingly, Ian Niven voted with two other with sorry three other directors against Swales, Chris Moore, Chris Muir, and Freddie Pye. So so that kind of put a spanner in Swales's work, and he had to go to in plan, and he had to go to Mike McDonald and say, well, I've had a bit of a setback, you know. Four of the directors have vetoed the plan, but I'm sure I can get it through once I get the other two. And McDonald basically said, look, if the board is, isn't unanimous on this, I'm not interested. I don't want to come to a split board. That's why you've got the problem in the first place. And uh, Swales realised the game was up. So it was Ian Niven basically changing sides that that, that caused uh, Swales to give in and, and start talking to Franny Lee. So, um uh, latterly, he had a pub called the Royal Scot in, in Marple, and everyone who talks about him, everyone who knew him, talks about him as a, a, a big blue, someone who would talk all day, talk city all day, help people out. Um, you know, the pub was a great place to go and talk about city and, and you know, full of city memorabilia. So um, it, it, uh, condolences to the to the family and uh, to his to his friends, all the friends of Ian Niven. We've you know we've lost someone who played a big part in in those years. So uh, that was that was sad news. He was ninety seven yeah. though, so yeah. uh, he'd had a good innings, but almost as good as the England cricket team. <laughs> um, so okay, so that weekend out of the way. Good news for the Steelers, bad news for Ian Niven. But um, obviously on to Leipzig, and um, this game was a well, it was a dead rubber. So what 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 sort of before we talk about the actual game, what sort of lineup were you expecting, Ray? Honestly, I would have. I was expecting um, Pep to rest some of the first team, as many as of the of them as he could. For me, I was interested to see what 
who would be um, at right back. I expected Stefan to be there. Uh, Zinchenko, Aki and Stones. I thought that was a given for Nandini in front of them. I thought that was easy. I thought um, up front, uh, I expected Bernardo to be rested. Maybe KDB to start uh, because he, he, he needs some game time. Uh, and up front, a mix of maybe one or two kids. I, I thought Cole Palmer was a given. Uh, I thought McAtee might get a start because I, I thought about it. I thought, well, Sterling shouldn't start. He's played the last few games. He's in decent form. Maros, I was like 50-50 whether he should start. Um, and then you got Foden and Grealish, and I thought maybe Pep would start both of them, Foden, Grealish, and Cole Palmer. Maybe put, uh, but the, it, it just didn't, it just seemed a bit would, would have been a bit lopsided because once again, who plays up front? Who plays uh, on the right? Um, but I, I honestly thought Cole Palmer was a shoe in to start, and I thought we could take a risk with a young kid at right back. I never in a month of Sundays did I expect Kyle Walker to start. The guy needs, you know, needs some rest. This is the kind of game you think, you know, you, you can rest Kyle Walker. Um, um, I was shocked to see him starting. Gundogan, I was 50-50 whether he should start because it doesn't need to. You know, I thought Pep could do something like play Phil Foden um, as an attacking midfielder um, and um, play Grealish out on the left. That's where I, I, how I thought he might do it. And then, you know, McAtee could have fitted in somewhere. But so I was I was a bit disappointed with the lineup. I thought it was a strong lineup once again. It was a strong lineup. Uh, and some people are arguing, well, you know, Pep's put out a strong lineup. We want to win the game. You know, cheeky, not cheeky, uh, Ferran Soriano's had a word in Pepsi and said, look, these games are worth over two million quid if you win and we could do with the money. As someone on the radio said today, you know, winning one group game in the Champions League is worth over two million quid. Last time I checked, it was 2.2, might be a bit more now. Winning the FA Cup and the League Cup is is worth less than winning the FA one. Cup's yeah. about five million. Is it five? Well, the League Cup's 100 grand. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. The League Cup's only 100 grand. So, it, it, but the winning the, the you know the one game in the Champions League is worth over two million quid. So maybe they thought, hey, we, you know, we can do with the money. We need it. You know, it all helps in a, in, in the uh, in the paying for Haaland fund or well, maybe paying for um, Rayola fund if we want Haaland. So I can understand Pep wanting to win, but no, I mean, I, honestly, I'd expected one or two kids to start that game, and I, I was. Disappointed, not just as a fan, because you want to see local kids, young kids coming through, but disappointed for the kids because they're going to look at that and say, "What? Where's the pathway?" Like you said, Colin, a dead rubber, nothing for us riding on this. Yes, there's something for Leipzig, but you know, and some people would say, "Well, Pep's, uh, you know, um, respecting the integrity of the competition," and because Leipzig and um, Bruges could have gone through to the Europa League, so he's been uh, he's keeping it honest. But if we played nine first teamers and two kids, I, th- I still think that's keeping it honest. Uh, so how do the kids look at this and say, "Where's the pathway?" And we've had other kids who have looked at it and said, "I'm never going to get through," you know. And maybe you could argue they were not good enough. I mean, I remember Rabbi Matondo watching him play a few years ago, and I thought oh, he's got a bit of pace. He left for Germany. Where did he go to Schalke or somewhere? for about three and a half, four, four and a half million quid. Um, he was never going to make it. So, you know, you look at the kids and you look at the kids who have left um, because they didn't think they were going to make it. As I said, Matondo, you've got other kids who have gone abroad 
and come back to mid-table teams like Jadon Sancho. Uh, he, he went down that that route. Um, and you look at the, the, the noises around McAtee not, potentially not signing a new contract and um, you look at Palmer and, and you think, will they get put off? And if they're City fans, like Ford and they'll hang around. If they're true blue City fans from a young age. But if there's someone like Liam Delap, who has no ties to City, uh, and other kids who are good coming through, are they going to look at this and say, well, what chance do we have? So that worries me a little bit for, for the future of uh, of the, the best kids in our academy. Uh, yeah, Bernard, I mean, yeah, I, I think I tend to agree with you there, right? But Bernard, what, was your, what were your thoughts on the, uh, the line-up and the possibilities? Well, I had Palmer Palmer definitely playing in this, and as as Ray said there, a lot of City fans were saying uh, it wouldn't bother me if someone goes in at right back instead of Walker, obviously, but I don't think anyone's talking from hindsight. I think a lot of City fans would have liked to have seen that, but uh, I mean, that that team there was uh, that that Pep played was good enough to win this, uh, no disrespect to Leipzig, uh, you know, but it just proved, didn't it, at the end of the day, there's four or five key players at the moment that literally not just carry City, but they inspire other players around them when they are playing. And, and we, we saw that in spades last night with this team, which on paper uh, wasn't a bad team. It, you know, it was a pretty much a, a, a quality team from Pep there. Pep had faith in that team to win this game last night. And uh, unfortunately, we the bad, well, I think the, some of the players will have to stand up and say they let the team down and they let Pep down as well. It wasn't just Pep's fault. Uh, for whatever reason, Pep played an experienced team and he expected that team to win that game. And uh, unfortunately, it, it just didn't happen on the night. If we, if we look at the stats, I mean, we had 56% possession, which wasn't bad. Uh, we had 13 shots, of which only three were on target, whereas Leipzig had nine shots and, uh, with five on target. We had nine corners. So, you know, there was no, if you're looking for a, a kind of a weak spot, it's that 13 shots, but only three on target. Uh, and it seemed to me that without without going into the game in detail, that, you know, our, our finishing was very, uh, was, you know, we know it's a bit wasteful, but it was seemed to be particularly wasteful last night, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, if, you, if, you're, going to, if you're only going to create 13 chances, uh, we know damn well we need to be creating 20-odd chances to score a couple of goals, and that's just the fact of life. Uh, and when Stefan is your, is your sort of man of the match, I mean, that just about says it all, really. And six offsides, that was an interesting stat, where I think there was four in the space of about 15 minutes. It's just just a lack of being tuned into the game, the players on the pitch. It, you know, it, it was just very, very poor. Do you think it was... Complacency. Yeah. Did Leipzig take us by surprise? Because obviously Leipzig had something tangible to play for. They were looking for um, they they couldn't qualify for the knockout stages, but they could qualify for the Europa League. Uh, although the format's changed, hasn't it? The 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 third team plays the um, runners up. Third team in the group plays the second team in the Europa League group it's in the knockout, doesn't it? In a kind of knockout to get to the. Europa League knockouts. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. So, so they had something to play for, obviously. I, I don't think City... You know, you look at the game, and I said this before, and I, I, I don't know if, if it's re- really relevant to this, but sometimes when you do change a lot of players, or you play, your, I call them the second stringers, if you play too many of them with good players, there's too many second stringers, there's too many players who can't perform at that top level. And I, I, I give an example when Grealish started playing at City. When City playing really well, Grealish slots in and he's fine because that wonderful side around him gives him time and space and opportunity. 
But when you get two or three players who are not at that top level or playing at that top level, uh, you know, they might be uh, having an off day, then the standard of City drops, I think, quite markedly and it drops uh, quite quickly. But once again, we had a ton of chances and that's the frustrating thing. Once again, Grealish had chances. But on the other hand, um, Leipzig had a ton of chances. If Leipzig had gone up 3-1, you know, gone in at half-time 3-1 up, I don't think we could have complained. We we got lucky that they had two great chances that were hit straight at Stefan. There was a shot and a, and a header that were basically straight at him. Um, so, you know, we, we can't just look at it from the viewpoint that we weren't scoring goals. We were we were very lucky at the other end, but we had so many chances. I mean, Folden hit the post. Grealish had a shot that I thought, this is a goal here, but he, ma- he managed to get it, you know, deflected over. I just think a lot of players were off form or sloppy. There's a lot of poor passing. Someone like Fernandinho disappointed with his passing, short passing, long passing, getting caught out a few times. And you think to yourself, is that because Fernandinho's 106 years old? Uh, or is it because he hasn't played that many games recently? Or is he is he you know is his age finally catching up with him? Or is it because he's not playing with the same level of players around him? And I think if Fernandinho had Diaz and Laporte behind him, he didn't look better because those guys would, like Bernard says, they they would have lifted his game. They would have made him look better as well. Um, so you know, it, it was it was just disappointing. You know, um, from from quite a few players, the, the performances that they they offered us yesterday. I, I think you said, uh, didn't you, that um, Stefan was probably one of the standout performers. I think Sinchenko had a good. And you say when your goalkeeper's a standout performer, that says something, doesn't it? I thought Sinchenko had a a pretty decent game. Um, but yeah, I, I can understand Pep playing the players who've been out injured, Grealish, Foden, De Bruyne, give them some match time. Fernandinho, although, you know, we all screamed for him to get that contract extension, didn't we? And uh, But he's not looked a little bit like Aguero. You know, he's not really earned it, has he? No, I mean, if you go back 12 months, I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't think it was the same Fernandinho. It was absolutely amazing towards the end of last season. And all of a sudden, he's just showing his age again. But as Ray said, and we all say, it's who he's playing with. That's the problem. When, when he's asked to play in a team like last night that isn't performing, he obviously his limitations and his age sort of catch up with him, unfortunately. Another player um, who we regard as indispensable, we regarded as indispensable, um, do we need to talk about Kevin? Yeah, he was, he was bobbins, weren't he? Um, you know, I mean, my my line on um, Kevin in, our, in my notes was a few good passes, yeah, but not great. Maybe you could argue, some people will argue that, well, he just come back from COVID. Maybe that's affecting him. I don't think so, because he was like this before he got COVID uh, on international duty. But Kevin's had a, a tough season if, 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 if you, you know want to, um, be kind to him. You know, he he got injured at the Euros, um, so he you know he, he didn't have a, a proper preseason and everything else. So he, he I think he started the season injured. Then he's had COVID as well, so he's had a stop-start season. So you know, that's um, I can put that as far as, as a bit of an excuse, but I don't think he was great last season. You know, he might be was he Player of the Year last season, but I, you know he, he missed uh, about six weeks and. As I said many times in those six weeks, we played the best football we played last season when he wasn't there because other people get into the game more. You know, they're not people are not looking at KDB or relying on him to to uh, provide that crucial pass. And I just sometimes I think he tries too hard. 
He tries too hard to get the perfect ball. And look, when it comes off, it's wonderful. And when it doesn't, you think that's an opportunity missed. But I just don't, I just don't think he's, like you said earlier, he's, he, for me, he's not in our first team. He's not in our first team right now. And, and last season, I said the only place I could find him, find a space for him, and I think Pep did as well, was a false nine. That's the only place I could squeeze KDB into our side last season. I, I think it was fairly obvious, you know, after the, the, everything has settled down after the, the kickoff, that we weren't quite at the races. You know, we, we looked, for me, we looked a little bit like it, it was a dead rubber game. We played a little bit like it was a dead rubber game, whereas Leipzig had everything to play for. And of course, um, just after the first quarter of the game, uh, we went behind. Uh, Bernard, do, would you blame anyone particularly for that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, obviously, these these were the sort of goals we were leaking two or three seasons ago, weren't they, where we got a hit on the break? But, I mean, uh, Walker was there, wasn't he? Yeah, Stones was there. Uh, and Walker, all he had to do was stay on his shoulder because he's got the pace to get back and, and stop him. And he was just left for dead virtually. He just didn't didn't react to it at all. I mean, no one particularly shouted for an offside. They were hoping he was offside. But he's very close. But but he wasn't. And I just thought Walker and Stones between them could have could have done very, very much better. I don't think Aki was involved as such. I think it was just Walker and Stones looked uh, just looked a bit and walk well. Walker looked a bit odd all night. He looked a bit, you know. Sometimes he looked as though he had his pace. Other times he looked as though he didn't. So, uh, yeah, just it was a mistake. And uh, obviously, we we should have done better. We should have been close. We should have been on his shoulder, I think, more and uh, and reacted quicker to the to the through ball. How did it look to you, Ray? Yeah, I, I agree. I, I mean, for me, it was mostly Walker's fault um, because Walker can look across the line. Walker, you know, if he's Walker's looking at the ball or looking that way, he can see the player. Stones, um, because the player was in between Walker and Stones. Stones, when he's looking at the ball, the player was behind him. So Stones can't easily see him. And it was Walker's man. It was Walker's man. Walker just had to have the concentration um, to stay with his man. And, and and the job was done because, you know, the guy, the guy would never have got, got there in front of Walker. Never. Um, because of Walker's pace. But we've seen it time and time again with Walker. You know, he, he, he'll he play brilliantly like he's done for most of the season, but he'll have these brain farts where he loses concentration. I, I'll, I'll take you back to Mr. Cornetto, um, Corny for, for Lyon, where Walker's job was simply to watch this guy. When he, when he bursts through, Walker... So Walker's got his eye on him. And I remember that game because Walker played the players in the middle onside Corney went um, went through and Walker let him go. So he switched off all over the place and then Corney was a guy who scored. So Walker does this it was, I, I, off the top of my head, thinking back to the Arsenal FA Cup semi-final defeat. When the ball was hit across, Walker just let it go. Um, he had no idea what was going on. So he does it too often. You know, and that, that he would... He is one of the best fullbacks in the world, but he'd be even higher if he could concentrate. Something was up with him yesterday because he was just lousy all over the pitch. You know, like Bernard just said, running sometimes, and sometimes he looked like he was running through treacle or he was taking it easy. And, and I, I just don't understand what was wrong with him. So he was a he, he, he was at fault for that first goal completely. Grist to the mill that he shouldn't have played. I mean, he shouldn't have played. He shouldn't have been playing. Well, yeah, yeah, and I don't think, I, you know, you, you could perhaps take the view that he thought he shouldn't have been playing. <laughs> well, he didn't you know, want to be there. And, well, I, th- I think he showed everybody that he, he, he didn't want to be on the pitch in the, yeah, later yeah. on in the second half, and he made sure he wasn't on the pitch. <laughs> so, um, right, so 
having conceded just after the first quarter, the first half, we went in one nil down. We all know the. Uh, no, I know we have broken that hoodoo since, but uh, you know, I know my thought was we're going in behind at half time. We ain't going to win this. Not that it mattered particularly, but you know, we got to the first the th- past the third quarter, the first quarter of the second half, and um, Leipzig double double their lead. Although this yes. was a better goal than. Yeah, 71 minutes, wasn't it? I think it was the first time they got into our uh, eight, near our 18-yard box in the, in the second half because I think they'd gone in at half-time, found out Brugge were getting stuffed by PSG. And to be honest with you, they seemed to down tools a little bit and take it easy, but we, we just weren't good enough to take advantage of it. And surprise, surprise, it was them that went 2-0 up rather than us, us getting an equaliser on 71 minutes. And it, it was, uh, you know, nothing special, a well-taken goal, but it was, it was just a soft goal to let in again. And as I say, it was there, as far as I've got here on my little notes, it was the first, first real attack they had in the second half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't look uh, threatening, but we didn't. I don't think we looked particularly threatening. Nothing apart from offsides. Yeah. I've written four offsides in the first 15 minutes, and that was it. And then the goal. <laughs> that's my that's my notes on the start of the second half. <laughs> uh, and the irony was, anyway, uh, for me, anyway, and um, Ray, you can talk about this, but that seemed to, going 2 0 down, finally seemed to wake us up a little bit. Hmm. Yeah, I, I did. I mean, that second goal, look, I'm just going to say Stones was at fault. Uh, Stones and Fernandinho, Stones had a pass to Fernandinho, uh, which wasn't good enough. Yes. And then Stones did try and grab, uh, pull the play down, but the ball had already gone. Um, I was a bit surprised with Stefan didn't move for the uh, for the, for the uh, shot. He left a, a lot of space for the for Andre Silva to, to slam it home. Um, you know, for me, it felt, looked like an empty net. And then we did, we did try a little bit harder then, you know, Pep made a I think at half time he brought Sterling on for for Phil Forden. I'm guessing Forden was tired or hurt. I don't know, but it's, it's unusual. I think to... it's took a knock, hadn't he? Again, All right? Yeah. So because it's, it's unusual for for Pep to make a substitution sometimes at all, but especially at half time unless someone's injured. So, um, so we we did try a, a, a little bit harder and, and did a bit more. I think Stones had a uh, sorry, um, Sterling had a, a penalty shout. Um, and we we did step it up a little bit. Got that goal from uh, Riyad Mahrez, diving header from a a, a, a nice uh, whip cross from uh, Zinchenko, nice and early. Makes a change, nice and early. Um, but one thing I I gotta say, I noticed that in the second half we got into a situation where on the pitch we we had Mahrez, we had Gundogan, Grealish, Fernandinho. There's not a lot of pace there, not a lot of mm. pace to. to to cause trouble, um, you know, we had Sterling on, but but that was it. Sterling was that you're looking at Sterling as your man with pace. Um, and I've got, I know I'm going to talk about Grealish a little bit. He missed far too many chances again. Um, you know, and, and and one thing he was stuck a little bit because he couldn't beat his man for pace, um, the fullback. So I know Grealish is what 26 years old or something, and it's hard to increase your pace as you're getting older. But Forden's, Forden did it at 19.20. Forden went away and he's worked on his, uh, done some speed training. He's got faster. And I just think Jack Grealish, for his own sake, should take a leaf out of Forden's book and maybe get the same coach and do some speed training because that will that will give him, uh, you know, you don't need a little, you don't need much extra speed, but it will surprise people and it'll maybe give him a chance to go on the outside as well as the inside. But for me at the moment, Grealish is slowing the play down. 
Um, he's trying to do things. I mean, you got you had a few players who want to do stuff for themselves, like Grealish, like Mares when um, when he was on. They want to do it for themselves. I don't think they do it for the team first. Um, but without the pace, you know, it's it's just for me. As I said, it's too slow, um, and I want him to either get the ball and pass it, move it on quicker, or have a bit more pace to do a bit more with it. But he's not doing enough for me at the moment. Should we be too harsh on Grealish, Bernard? Because my view is it always takes a season for a player, even as good as Grealish, and we've seen it so many times, it always takes a season to to get your head round the way Pep wants you to play and, and, you know, get in tune with what the team is doing. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think he started very well when he first came, didn't he? But obviously, there's a, a bit of complaints about him now. But you think of that game last night, I, I make little ticks and crosses on what guys do when I'm at home and I'm not at the game. And I didn't put anything down for Grealish that first half because it was the best best version of a false nine I've ever seen because he wasn't even there. He wasn't, it wasn't a false nine. It was a non-existent number, you know, false nine. It, it, it was awful that first half. In fact, the only time I noticed him was when Sterling came on the second half and Grealish switched to the left and he got some of the ball. And that, that's the first time I really noticed him. And, you know, obviously that's where Pep's playing him. And as, as Ray said earlier on, he's limited to where we can play him. So he's going he's gonna to have to very quickly get used to, used to what we're doing. But, I mean, I, I totally agree with you, Colin. I mean, you know, they do need time to settle in and Grealish will, will need time. But as I say, he did start quite well. And he, has, he was playing well up, say, his first half a dozen games or so. But... Uh, we're now seeing a little bit of a drop off, unfortunately, and he, and he does sort of seem to slow things down. So what Ray said there, uh, I would have to agree with it about the pace side of it as well. If he's only going to, Colin, if he's only going to be good in the second season, why don't we just leave him on the bench for the full season? <laughs> he's only going to be good next season and not worry about it. He's, he's going to find right out what, now, what he's going to know what he doesn't know, doesn't he? Really, is uh, what's his name? Was it Dick Chain? No, Rumsfeld. Donald Rumsfeld said. Now, is there any more to say about that game? Because I, I want to talk about the, the rest of the Champions League. There's been some interesting results. Yeah, I think, uh, and we now know. Who you can talk about Walker's red card. You got to talk about Walker's red card. Oh, Walker's red card. Yes, red. Well. Now to say is that it was definitely a red card. He's an absolute idiot. That's that's all I can say. I mean, it wasn't an attempt to play the ball, was it? It was a kick. <laughs> Unless it was an attempt to play the balls that were a little, you know, bit, a bit higher. <laughs> uh, but he was certainly playing the man. He deserved that, and you know. But actually, I'm glad the ref sent Walker off. In in that he he wasn't playing. He just kicking the guy. And I wish referees would do that more often because yes. you see it. People, whether it's frustration or whatever, are deliberately trying to hurt your opponent. We've seen that loads. If you remember that game a few years ago, I think it was, when City were, I think we were playing United, and we had the, I think we were winning 2-0. We had the ball in the corner. For about three minutes, we kept it in the corner. Was it Ashley Young came out and just booted somebody? And that deserved a red card because you, yeah. you're not going for the ball at all. You were just going there to kick the player. So if I, I would like to see more refs just sending people off for doing something similar to that. There was one, uh, a Chelsea game, was it against Liverpool, where um, the swinger went scheming in and, and basically did a drop kick on the, a player shield, shielding the ball. can't remember who they were playing. And he got a yellow, just got a yellow card for well, I don't think he even got, gave a foul, the ref. Um, you do, know, do you remember, sorry, do you remember the game, the FA Cup game against Cardiff a few years ago? Yes. I think, I think it was that one, when Warnock's side were just booting us all over the place. 
Uh, and there's some crazy chat. There's one on D- uh, Brahim Diaz, which was which was disgusting. And the guy got a yellow card. It was it was a red card all day long. And there was a no- I think that was a game where it's one on Gundogan, wasn't there? Yeah, there, there was. Uh, I think there was one on KDB where the guy chased KDB, him about yeah. sixty yards yeah. to kick him to trip that him was up. Cardiff, yeah. yeah, yeah, and and. You know, that's just it's unusual for Neil Warnock team, though, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but but it's, it's ridiculous because all you're doing is going to hurt the player. You've got no intention of doing anything except stop the player, and you're doing it in a in a in a very dangerous way. You know, I, I'm sure lots of people who played Sunday League football have got hurt from silly tackles. You know, that were not necessary. You know, if, if you someone's running away and you trip them up, there's no need for it, especially if they're going at pace. You know, you're just asking for them to get hurt. So, you know, the more, you know, red cards for um, play like that, the better. I did, I did find it quite enjoyable to see Kevin's face when he got booked for taking that free kick to him. <laughs> I, thought, I thought he was going to, you know, that old song, you got to cry in a minute. I thought I thought that was the case with the <laughs> KDB. When, when the teacher, he's a teacher, isn't he, that referee? Yeah. Uh, obviously, he didn't, he didn't want any indiscipline in his class, did he? Let's be honest about it. KDB's got booked for that, I think, if I yeah. rightly. Anyway, let, let's put that game to bed. We finished um, I don't think uh, Paris Saint Germain predictably big club Bruges. I don't think there are any particularly surprising results um, last night. But if we go to tonight, there have been some interesting results. Ooh, uh, and if we go into Group E, uh, Benfica, as expected, beat Dynamo Kiev two 0 which meant that Barcelona had to beat Bayern Munich to uh, qualify for the. Uh, round of 16 and uh, Bayern Munich came out fairly comfortable 3-0 winners on that one so Barcelona and I, I, I dread to think how long um, how many consecutive seasons they've been in um, oh, oh, did they yeah they've been in the Champions League mm. uh, got through to the knockout rounds but they will be playing in that Europa League playoff along with um, uh, Leipzig so um, big big uh, downfall for Barcelona, uh, we, we teach, we, it, it'll teach him to put Eric Garcia on the bench, won't it? <laughs> so, 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 yeah. Um, the um, in United's group, the new era started in Europe with um, a draw against the fourth place team in Switzerland at home. So, Manchester United won, Young Boys won, uh, Atalanta via Real, which is basically a uh, well, I say playoff for the second place. Um, that was a uh, game was cancelled due to snow, which I don't know. West Ham, we played that one. Um, <laughs> Chelsea conceded three goals to Zenit, St. Petersburg, one a last minute one, which condemned them to second place in the group. So if we look at the tables now, obviously we won the group. Um, uh, obviously, uh, PSG second in our group, we can't get them. Atletico Madrid second in group B, Sporting Lisbon in C, Inter Milan in D, Benfica. Above Barcelona now in E. Uh, Villarreal are a point ahead of Atlanta, so a win for Villarreal or a draw or, or a draw will see them second place. A win for Atalanta, who are at home, will see them as the, the second place team. So it could be one of those two. Uh, Red Bull Salzburg, so the other RB team, and that's it. And that's it. So uh, obviously, I think the one you'd probably want to avoid there is Atletico if you can, but even there, no, no great shakes. This season, maybe into Milan, but yeah, you shouldn't, we shouldn't be worried about anybody there. I mean, I mean, actually, Chelsea's draw with um, Zenit did that that condemn them to finish second rather than uh, 
yep. the Juventus. So that's probably you know in our favour a little bit. Oh, Juventus, yeah, absolutely running. So yeah, so yeah. yeah well, we should have a relatively straightforward round of 16, not that anything is ever relatively straightforward. I think that draw is, is it Monday? Monday, yeah. Monday 11, 11, o'clock, 11 o'clock, Monday. Our time, yep. So we'll see who we get. Um, uh, if we look at, um, obviously, Liverpool have got the same. Liverpool, United have all won their group, so they're all in the same pool as us. Um, say Chelsea could be interesting. Um, the winner of the Lille, maybe. They can't get United. They could get Bayern. That would be an interesting draw. That would be beautiful. They could get Real Madrid. They could get Ajax, who yes. have got a perfect record. Although maybe it wasn't the toughest group, but we, we know what Ajax can do. It's interesting. <laughs> I'll tell you what's in- interesting, as an aside, is uh, the Liverpool, Liverpool fans crowing that Liverpool have become the first English side to win all six games in the group stage of the Champions League. Now, suddenly... That means something. They're the first ones to have ever done it, and they're quite happy to put other, as Liverpool Liverpool fans are, um, they're quite happy to put other clubs down because no one else has done it. And it's like, you know, when we talk about the, the treble, the domestic treble we won, and the Liverpool fans, they, they they deride that. They say, "Oh, it's nothing that." Well, it's something <laughs> that no one else has ever done. Something that Ferguson said <laughs> could never be done, and we did it. We're the only club to have ever done it. So, you know. And the thing is, Liverpool aren't the only club ever to have got won all six games. It's been done many times. I mean, Ajax have done it this season as well. And Bayern Munich have done it. So, you know, it's the only English club. It's not a big deal because this season, three clubs have done it. We're the only club ever to have won the domestic treble. So, you know, they need to stay in their lane. Uh, Any further comment on the Champions League? Which we'll no doubt we'll pick up the draw in the next pod after the next game. But... If not, then we'll move on to um, our, our next few games quickly. So, obviously, on just, um, just congratulations to Mares. I think he was the only City player who started all six Champions League group games. So, I, I know Ray would, Ray would like to see that. Obviously, Mr. Mares, Mr. Mares. Sure, Ray would echo <laughs> being such a, an admirer uh, of Algerian uh, Prince. Algerian Prince. Of course. So Saturday lunchtime, we've got Wolves at home. So um, Wolves didn't start off very well, but have been improving fairly rapidly since. What do we think about that one? Quickly. Well, we're going to have to. I mean, they're very defensive, aren't they? I mean, obviously, Mr. Klopp wasn't impressed, but that's how they've been playing. Usually away from home, they're not usually overly defensive at home. But uh, obviously, uh, that's how Lage is it Lage, the manager. That's how he's got them playing, and uh, obviously, we're going to have to work hard to hopefully break them down very early and uh, get you know we keep that Adama Triore quiet. Uh, you know, get make sure he doesn't do any damage, and uh, we you should don't. be all right. But uh, we'll have to break them down because I, I think they're going to come with a with 10 men behind the ball for most of the game absolutely there you look at the goals for and against and it's 12 goals goals for which is uh, the second lowest in the league above norwich is eight but only 13 goals against so as you say um 13 is only one more than liverpool it's less than well, it's, only, it's only chelsea city and liverpool have kept uh kept uh less let less goals in yeah, that's right. So I think we can expect a fairly dour game. Well, mm. yeah, defensive display. Let's hope we're up for it. But um, slip, uh, yeah, slip back a bit. Mid-table, doing okay, just outside the uh, Europa League playoffs. Um, but uh, and then midweek we've got Leeds now mm, Tuesday. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that might be our... <laughs> it could very well be the last home game we are allowed to attend for a while, the way things are going. Um, um, you know, boxing We've got game. double jabs. You're all right. We've got your double jabs. Be fine. Uh, I, I, no, we, we, we can go, <laughs> but I, I just think it's going to depend now on how bad things get in the next two weeks. The way... <laughs> Uh, you know, the government have had to react today. Um, they don't like to react and they're doing some, making some moves. It just feels, you know, it's like deja vu all over again. You know, it's, it feels like last year they're making some moves, some steps and then it'll have to come and they have to put some, you know, uh, more draconian measures. And look, if if that was the reason Liverpool lost the league last season because they had no fans, well, maybe that's not such a bad thing. <laughs> have a few games, you know, maybe have January without fans, or you know, so Liverpool can lose a couple of games at home, uh, and then you know we can open up a gap. But no, I'm I'm serious. I, I think that's a, it's, it's a distinct possibility. Um, you know, so I think we, if you go into games, these two next home games, enjoy them because you never know what's <laughs> what's coming around the corner. Yes, yeah, yeah, it's a good point. Now we, we've got to have um, vaccine passports, of course. But uh, yeah. um, supposedly, if you can get on the uh, NHS app. Um, so yeah, and I mean Chelsea, Liverpool, both. Uh, you know, we, we, all three t- teams have got a winnable series of games up to the new year. So uh, it, it could be a you know could be very interesting um, going up to the new year. But um, let, let's uh, we've been talking for over an hour now, so let's. Uh, Let's just round it up. Uh, anything, Ray, you want to add? There's a, a little quick point I was going to quickly make about, it's um, not to do with City, but it's to do with La Liga. You know, we were hearing about this deal apparently with CVC, um, was it Venture Capitalist um, Company? Uh, and uh, they were going to sell about 10% for several billion pounds, basically to bail out um, Real Madrid and Barcelona. Then they had they put forward a different deal to avoid working with CVC. Uh, I, I can't remember the d- details. I've not been paying too much attention, but I just read earlier on this evening that the Spanish FA uh, have suggested that Javier Tebas, our good friend Javier Tebas, La Liga's CEO, he's been pushing the CVC deal very hard because apparently, apparently, he stands to gain personally from this deal if it goes through with CVC. And obviously, uh, CVC will uh, benefit by making some juicy returns. I think uh, that's the um, point made. So it's just in, it's always interesting to see what a downright slug um, Javier Tebas is. Um, I mean, he never fails to disappoint. Or, or, <laughs> okay. um, and of course, Barcelona and Real Madrid have put their own deal together. Which yeah. I reckon is better. Um, so, so that will be an interesting one, and maybe it could um, precipitate, you know, a new version of the Super League. Who knows? Must be Barcelona need the money because they're not going to get any Champions League further money this season. Well, they've uh, got. You mentioned that they've got a huge problem because the only way they can sort out their uh, getting players is that their biggest problem is is that wages. They need to get the income in, and they need to get some wages off the books. The problem is, you know, some of the big wages on the books that they don't want. They don't want um, Coutinho. Well, actually, nobody else wants Coutinho either. <laughs> so you're not, you know, you're going to struggle to unless they can pile him off to Newcastle. Nobody wants to pay a fee for him, and nobody wants to pay his exorbitant wages. Same with the Umtiti. He's earning a packet there. 
Nobody wants seems to want him. They can't get rid of him. Now, the, untitled, the only way they'll get rid of him is maybe pay him off and give him away for free and hope somebody takes him. But the problem, again, is who's going to pay... pay so someone like Umtiti, 300 grand a week, 400 grand a week, and they're just going to get stuck. The only way I see them doing it is actually letting somebody that they want to keep go, somebody that is of an interest to other, uh, another club, someone like Frankie de Jong. Um, you know, he might not want to go, but they, they might be forced. Getting rid of someone like him may allow them to bring in a, two or three other players. Obviously, if Aguero... Uh, retires if, if that's definitely going to happen. They'll save a bit of money there on the wages, but they're in a they're in dire straits unless they can find ways to bring money in and reduce you know significantly and reduce that wage bill significantly. This they, I th- I can see them struggling for the next two or three seasons. Um, just a quick one we didn't mention. Uh, we know our FA Cup opponents in the third round now, and we're playing uh, away at Swindon Town. Any um, interestingly, we have never. We've played three game, FA Cup games at Swindon. We have not won one of them. Lost two, drawn one. But the last one we played was 1960. No, 1964, I think, or 1960 or something. But, um, yeah, so um, we, we've got to break a hoodoo um, <laughs> in that one, which I, I'm sure we will do. Um, I know the, Sw- the Swindon fans would have loved it to have been at the Etihad, but uh, not to be. Bernard, um, anything you want to... Throw in. Not just us, that now we've got our noses in front at the top of the league. Let, let's job we put uh, that other debacle of last night behind us and uh, and move on. And uh, if we win every game now, we're going to be champions. So let's uh, let's carry on regardless, eh? And I know we can. Uh, we're not usually in front just before Christmas. Eh? We usually like to come from behind, but, but now we've got our noses yeah. in front. Let's make let's make the most of it. And talking about coming from behind, uh, we <laughs> wish Mike uh, Michael Long the best. I hope he'd be with us. <laughs> on, on the next pod, you might get his dulcet tones at the start of this one. Um, just to introduce us, yeah. And, and just one other bit of news before we, we sign off. Um, Everton, trouble at the mill, obviously got um, thumped by um Liverpool in the derby. Um, a lot of uh fan um displeasure, displeasure. What was the word I was thinking? I'm fan, um, you beat Arsenal, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> But the, the, the director of football, Marcel Brands, got sacked uh, or left his job. Um, I mean, they spent 500 million and don't seem to have a lot for it. I mean, people talk about us spending money, but blind. Yeah, I remember someone put the, the players that Liverpool bought in back 2017, um, and it included Salah and Robertson. And then they put then how much they spent, and they put the players um, Everton bought and how much they'd spent. And it's like, <laughs> it's chalk, chalk and cheese. You know, it's crazy what Everton, how much Everton has have been spending. Now I think they're stuck because they've got, uh, um, you know, probably two, plays on too high a wage to, uh, to to be able to cope, um, and that's why they hardly spent any money in the summer. And it's just, you know, um, for for a club who had, were in a position to go somewhere, it's just a they've just, you know the owners basically I think mixing with the wrong people because he's just got some lousy people in, in, in charge who have been spending ridiculous amounts of money on players who aren't good enough uh, for them to finish mid-table. And uh, I think he has to take a long, hard look at who he's been associating with and who's been he's been putting in positions of control and power because they're not good enough. Well, it's an object lesson, isn't it, that money does not buy success, I think, isn't it? Yep. OK, uh, we'll leave it there, I think. I think we've, we've covered a fair bit of ground tonight. So um, a, a, a Mike Long-less 
um, Vault from the Blue podcast. We'd best like one to done say, best one we've done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't have him chipping him, do we? Um, <laughs> thanks very much to our contributors, uh, Bernard. Thank you very much. Well, it's been a pleasure, mate. Thank you very yeah, much. Thank you very much. Done a great job. Thank you. And uh, Ray, of course. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking to you guys tonight.